Hey, 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 drama listeners. What's up? It's Connor here. And I want to stop by before you get into the episode because I am so excited to tell you about our Patreon, which if you haven't heard of it yet, is our bonus content platform where we share extra episodes every single month. You get added to our Instagram close friends and you're going to want to be in the Patreon because we've got some big updates big things coming. So you'll be the first ones to find out about it over there. It's $5 a month. So if you join, you get all those perks, plus you support the pod and all of our creative endeavors that come along with it. Now, today's main feed episode, I'm still not quite sure that it happened, so I don't even know how to set it up, but it's a dream come true. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for finding us. Please enjoy this episode today with our very special guest and head on over to patreon.com backslash the drama podcast to become part of our Patreama family. Now, I know you're going to enjoy the show. So without further ado, here we go. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, how are you today? I'm great. It has been such an exciting week because Kimberly Akimbo is now on Broadway. Yes. And although I've worked, you know, on shows that have been on Broadway before and of course on tour and other places, this is the first show that's made it to Broadway that I've been a part of since the beginning, like when we were like developing the art on the ad side, when we've been coming up with everything leading up to this moment, you know, being a part of like the TV shoots, like truly everything. So it feels like kind of a dream come true moment, even though I'm not on the stage or in the theater, it feels like, wow, something I worked on that is so special is there for people to see and enjoy now. And it's like one of those things that when I was at the show the other night, I was like, wow, I I played a small part in something that will bring people joy like it used to bring, not used to, but some, you know, brings me joy now as an adult, but as a kid that meant so much. So I'm feeling great about it. And I think people are going to love it. Well, I'm proud of you. Your name will be in the playbill and everything. I didn't even think about that because we didn't get playbills at the dress. Wait, that's so fun. Yeah. (gasps) I need you to see it. When I get to town, I will absolutely come and check it out. Um, I have a huge list of shows I'll need to see when I... I don't know if Gavin knows this, but I'm in Columbus, Ohio. So, oh yes, yeah, yes, you're not in the city. Yeah, so. <laughs> Wait, what else is on your like top of your list? Like maybe top three that you're trying to see when you come to town? Well, I've seen Into the Woods twice, so I can't do that again. Um, <laughs> almost famous, you could. I could. Um, almost famous, I really want to see. Um, I really want to see um, Leopoldstadt, that play that's happening with Brandon Urinowitz. That looks yeah. very good. And then I, I've got to see Anne Casey Juliet. Levy. Yes, Casey Levy's in that. And I want to see Anne Juliet for our boy Stark. Oh, I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, wait. I, I heard, though, this drama, they're not using British accents. Oh, interesting. And it's Shakespearean, so it's a little interesting. That's like when Six, how Six doesn't use British accents in, in the American version. That's interesting. Ooh, yeah. I wonder what when that decision is made. I agree. You know, Because other, other shows that are like, quote unquote, British, hypothetically would. Yeah. Like, hmm. wait, I have a random question because I can't think of it, but did they use British accents in Les Mis? In America, I'm suddenly like questioning everything I've ever I, known I about the American so. our theater. Guest, our guest is saying no. They're no, saying no. no okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Maybe our guests will have more insights into this. You know, speaking of musicals that bring people joy, things that are you know meant a lot to us as kids. You know, enough can't be said about what this guest today has meant to us and many, many, many people. I mean, I think everybody, every young tenor has tried to emulate this person's vibrato <laughs> and tone and, and everything. So it's myself included, true. myself included, but Oh my God. I, I know. We have a very exciting reason that we're having him on today. And so we're going to have to talk about a really fun event that's happening in New York. It's become a bit of a, of a Broadway institution over the last few years. I know and we were at the first one, but we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into it all. Connor, would you mind bringing in our guest? Because I don't want to waste a second. We can't. I am over the moon excited about this. So y'all, Our guest today is first and foremost a boy from Ohio, but beyond that, he's been honored with a Tony Award, Drama Desk Award, an Outer 
Critics Circle Award for Best Performance by an Actor in a Featured Role in a Musical for his turn as Cornelius Hackle in Hello, Dolly. He has a Laurence Olivier Award for the Book of Mormon and Tony nominations for his leading roles in Thoroughly Modern Millie and Hair. He's toured the nation in fame, Book of Mormon, and also made his indelible mark in Broadway's La Caja Faux, She Loves Me, Waitress, and currently is starring in Into the Woods. Additional West End credits include Waitress, Hair, and Mary Poppins. This superstar has appeared regionally in Sondheim's Bounce, Prometheus Bound, and The Mystery Plays. He's featured alongside Julie Andrews in Eloise at the Plaza and Eloise at Christmas Time, as well as on American Horror Stories and his very own PBS solo concert stars on stage. You just might know his original albums, Good Time Nation, Quiet, Get Out, and his single, Noise. He's the co-founder of Broadway Impact with friend of drama Rory O'Malley and penned the book, Music and Lyrics to Walk On Through, Confessions of a Museum Novice. He will once again be appearing in our pal J. Armstrong Johnson's annual I Put a Spell on You Alive at Sony Hall on October 23rd. I am so thrilled to welcome to drama Gavin Gavin Creel. Hi, gents. How are we? So good. It's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you both. It's, it's, uh, I, are you from Ohio originally? Is that what's happening? It is. We are Cleveland born and bred. What part of Cleveland? It's called Independence. Is, I don't know Cleveland very well, but my father grew up in Painesville. Is it anywhere near Painesville? Yeah, we'll say adjacent. Wait, I need to mention this before it escapes me, but one of my best friends, his name is Grant Schroeder, and you grew up with his mother, yes. Missy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No way. Missy, Missy is one of our families, the daughter of one of my, my parents' closest friends, um, Roger and Jane Gossman. Yes. And, and yeah, Grant, Grant, um, did you go to, you, you went to school with Grant? No, he's my boyfriend's best friend. So they went to high school together and then Amazing. by extension, now he's one of my best friends. So. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Good. He's a great guy. His sister Maddie is an amazing gal and a great photographer and mm-hmm. they're just great family. It's, it's so neat to be, to get contact with Ohio through new people like you or, or yeah. just the Midwest in general, but especially Ohio because I grew up there. And I left there and I don't get back very often, but I am grateful for my upbringing there, though it was quite limited and limited. My childhood was limited. No, anyway. Um, (laughs) But the, uh, the idea that, uh, I don't know, I think good people, there's this great John Lithgow when he won the Emmy one year for third, third rock from the sun, I think it was. He mm-hmm. said, it's not really fair that I am winning an award for playing an alien for I too am from a strange and planet called Ohio. You know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. so, you know no. he also won a Tony the year you were nominated. He did my very first year. Wow. That's drama. That's yeah. drama. I wanted you to win. Well, that's very kind. I, I, there was no chance in hell I was going to win. <laughs> it was me against John McMartin for the revival of Into the Woods. Oh, that's so funny. John Cullum for You're in Town. John Lithgow for Sweet Smell of Success, starring Brian Darcy James, who is the baker in, he's on a leave of absence at the moment, mm-hmm. for um, In Into the Woods, and uh, Patrick Wilson. And I've told ah. this story before, but when I had to perform for Thoroughly Modern Millie on the telecast, and they asked me before, well, your category is going to be immediately after your performance. Like, it's going to be the Millie performance and then your category. So do you want to just stay in the audience instead of being backstage in your costume? I was like, hell no, I'm not going to win. I don't want to like not do the number and then watch me miss out on the number with my cast and everything. And um, after we, before we went on, I had to go, you know, they take you from your seat they take you backstage at Radio City. And it's just, it's like a labyrinth and a fancy people every corner you turn. And I'm 26 years old and have no idea what I'm doing there. And a little drunk on margaritas because I made margaritas in the green room right before we all got on the bus. I love that. <laughs> so I'm like zooming through the hallway and they're taking me to the, get dressed and I see Patrick Wilson there and he's getting, no, sorry. I get dressed. I do the thing. I, they call, you know, John Lithgow's name. It's amazing. Gregory Hines gives me a handshake right before he goes, good luck, man. I'm like, oh, you touched me. That's amazing. <laughs> and then I went back upstairs to change out of my costume and, and Patrick Wilson's there and he goes, fuck him, Creel. <laughs> 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 Laughing. Just like, it was such, it was such a great, joyful community moment. And I just, it was sort of like a great way to be indoctrinated into not only the business, my Broadway debut, but the Tonys at large. And the next time I was nominated for hair, I was so much more relaxed and 
and then on and on. So it's been it's yeah. been a real joy. You didn't have margaritas when you were nominated no, for hair. No, I didn't. I did not. Thank goodness. <laughs> hair was... would have probably encouraged a different substance. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Oh my goodness. Well, we obviously want to talk about your Tony's experiences and so many different things, but it it feels so good to be in the room with you. We the, the Zoom, Zoom room. room. <laughs> we have absolutely wanted this for a long time. You know, I'm thinking about the Tonys and. You know how there's that whole thing about like, oh, the multiverse of madness. I feel like that to Broadway people is the multiverse of madness, especially like the year you were in hair. The opening number was everyone in costume from their different shows. That's truly the crossover event of the century. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was incredible. I remember Brandon Pearson is a good friend of mine who was in the company and he's obsessed with Liza Minnelli. And there was a moment where Liza performed and the world goes round before Mm -hmm. us. And then she turned over her shoulder in Liza fashion and walked through the hippies as we walked down. Uh She walked upstage and we walked down and then did our number and then everybody joined. And Brandon knew that, found out he was on the outside and he found out and he said, you're switching with me. So he would, or Liza would walk right by him. He was like, I'm going to brush shoulders with Liza. And he did. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do at the Tony's. Yeah. That's so funny. You never know when you're going to have that chance again. Yeah. I'm just curious how you're doing, Gavin. Are you well? I'm well. I'm really well. I'm really grateful for the autumn in New York. I always thought spring was my favorite season, but I think autumn might be quickly replacing it in New York City, I mean, because you got these long shadows and these long days and the, the, the beauty of the kind of brisk warmth that's still present and the colors changing if you get to the parks. And I just love being in New York. I'm so, I feel so lucky to be in Into the Woods right now, which was such an unexpected surprise. We thought we were doing a two week concert with 10 days of rehearsal for an entire Sondheim show, which was insane. <laughs> um, and then the next thing you know, Jordan Roth and Jenny Gersten and Nicole Castrinos and Ju Jamsons and the, everybody decided to bring us over to, to the St. James, what we thought was going to be for two months and then end up being a hit. And they s- decide to extend us till January. So it's every day I go to work, I'm kind of like, I can't believe we're here. So I'm really well as far as all that goes. And, and I'm really grateful to, to be included in uh, Jay and the in companies. I put a spell on you because yes. it is, it is the hollow, the Broadway Halloween institution. It's been going on for, I think close to 10 years or over 10 years now or a while for sure. Yeah. Maybe coming up on 10 years, but it, he, they started it from such just like, I think it was La Poisson Rouge at the beginning and, and just a party that is turning into what Jerry Mitchell did with Broadway bears. It's yeah. going to, I know it's going to grow and grow and the audiences are going to start coming in costume. It's like a comic con Halloween con for Broadway fans <laughs> and aficionados. And I'm just grateful that Jay has included me the last few years virtually. And this is the first time I will be live on stage. So I'm really excited. Now, will you be playing so the same character you played in? The I believe, version? I believe so because I don't know Hocus Pocus like you probably know Hocus Pocus. Oh, okay. I came to it later. I saw it. I saw it actually in 2012 for the first time wow. and I didn't watch the whole thing. Cause I was like, what is this movie? This is, uh- <laughs> um, I love the women and, but just, I thought the movie was so weird and, and <laughs> Kevin, and that's now, hilarious. I, I know I'm excited to see the second version just cause you know, I worked with that and I know her more and it's just oh, yeah. exciting. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think it's going to be a, a wild party and, and I, I'm proud of, yeah, like I said, I'm proud of Jay for, for creating this. He was, of course, your cover in Hair. Is that how you, the was. two of you met? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah we such met. a great guy. Oh, he's the best. He was 20, 20 or 21 when he was in the show, or 22, I can't remember. Oh, my God. I think he was 20, 22. Um, and he went on for me a bunch of times, and as did Paris Remillard, who was my other cover. I was yes. covered so well on that company. Oh um, yeah, I think we we saw I think we saw Paris do it in in Cleveland at Playhouse Square. Oh yeah, I yeah, he say. was he was Claude on tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, wait, and there was someone else we saw play Claude on tour. Marshall Carolyn Kennedy. Did you oh. ever meet him? I only know I only know Marshall because of hair. I saw him you know, okay. from the company. He was so hot, but also <laughs> great. Also great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super super talented and a super yeah. cute cute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, super cutie. Yeah. Yes. So it's at Sony Hall this year, right? Yes. Yeah. I love that venue. I think that's the perfect venue for I've it. I've never, never stepped foot in it. I'm mm-hmm. so excited. Yeah. yeah, we saw this insane drag brunch there, like right before March 2020. And it really worked. Like there's like a, it's really big, but like there's table seating everywhere. And so you're able to like, it feels more immersive. And I think that's going to be perfect for the show. I can see Jay and the girls flailing down the aisles and yes. it's going to be really epic. Yeah. And I think I'm hoping everybody will take the directive quite seriously and don't show up unless you are dragged out in Halloween costume. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like 
whatever you're feeling, the gorier, the better, the wilder, the better, but make sure you're, you gotta be in costume to come to this. That's what's most exciting to oh, me. Yeah. It, it, it is immersive by you in the audience participating with us. Yeah. Now, are you, are you a Halloween guy by, by trade? Like, have, are you, have you dressed up over the years? Not really. I, I, I marched in the parade once in, in a flock of Richard Simmons's. I did that <laughs> once. That was really fun. My friends invited me to come along. We all wore the Richard Simmons hair and these pink tank tops and short shorts. And um, I did. And we had a whole choreography thing that we practiced at Ripley Greer one day. It was really funny. I dressed up as different things in, in, throughout the years. But no, I'm not, I'm not really... I'm not really like, oh, I've got to have Halloween. I'm mm-hmm. kind of, I'm more of a Thanksgiving man. It's all about food and eating. And, That's and, fair. Yeah. Wait, Thanksgiving is low-key one of my favorite holidays. There's something about it. Number one. Number one for me. Yeah. It's the food. It's like everybody coming together and sitting down and chowing. So, but first, we've got we've to gotta, we've gotta get freaky first. We do. Yeah. Are you having the time of your life in Into the Woods? Because it seems like you are from yeah. the audience. <laughs> I mean, Gavin, like... It just seems like you are having the time of your life. I am. I am. I have to tell you, like, I've never performed. I mean, I've, I've been playing more, I don't know, eccentric supporting parts recently. Yeah. Um, and I, this is the most, because it's fantasy and because it's beloved and it's also fairy tale. And, you know, I, I, I really kind of have enjoyed playing with, who these people are. I play the wolf and Cinderella's prince. And I, I don't know, Lear de Bessonet and Lauren Lataro and I together, they let me kind of play a lot. And I continue to play like, oh man, Stephanie Block and I are now opposite <laughs> each other as in, in that one scene. And every night I'm never, we, we're on the verge of laugh. Sarah and I broke character maybe four times a week because we were just making each other laugh. And it was the greatest. And I was sad to lose her, but Stephanie picks up the mantle in such a different, wild, wonderful mm-hmm. way as do all of our cast members. So I'm just, I really am without trying to sell it to anybody. I'm having a blast. And I, I am every show up to work every day. I'm like, wow, we're still here. We're still doing it. And the audiences are nuts. They're losing their minds. Yeah, they really are. It was like a rock sh- concert. Yeah, the minute everybody like steps downstage, the crowd yeah. is wild. Yeah, it's really special. I think that has a lot to do with our relationship, our lifelong relationship with the piece. It's now just old enough that it's been across a few different generations and reached a few different, like not only the people who are the age of the performers, but those of us who are younger listening to it in high school and those who were little, little ones. Now they've all shifted up an age bracket or two, a generation or two, and they're all still with us. And, and, and it's just three or four generations deep of an appreciation for it. So the minute you hear once upon a time, and the, and the little cowbell, everyone's like, Yahoo! You know, it's like, it's, it's a dream. I absolutely love it. Now, I have to say, we also saw you and Sarah in Waitress. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you did? What a duo. You two oh. have such amazing chemistry, but your voices together, Gavin, oh, oh my God. I, I am going to say I agree with you 100%. For, <laughs> for me, for me, I have never had chemistry like I do with a person with Sarah on stage. Never before. Sutton Foster and I were as a close second or in a different category. Mm-hmm. I, I love, and I've had great chemistry with a bunch of people that I played opposite. But Sarah and I, it's it's something that, and, and and she's one of my best friends. So when we when she asked, "Will you come in and do this with me for a month on Broadway in 2019?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> let me think about it. And then I had to think about it for a bunch of different reasons. And I said, okay, four week contract. Okay. And I was nervous because you know, when you're really close to somebody, it's not always a guarantee that you're going to be able to be natural with each other on stage. Mm-hmm. And we got in the rehearsal room, we were both a little nervous and, and she's, she's writing, she's, she's written it and she's in the creative team. And so the whole time I want to make her proud and please the writer and the creator, but also I want to please my friend. And it was pressure. And that we started and we were like, and it just went on, you know. And it, and, and it was, I felt it was magical. And, and I care so deeply for her as an artist, and I respect her and admire her. And we, we're like knowing each other more as writers now. So mm-hmm. we're, you know, she'll, she'll share what she's up to, and which is always just, and you're like, yeah, of course you can do that too. You know, she's the multi hyphenate of our generation. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say this without any hyperbole, I think she is one of the three best female voices in the world in pop music. I think it's 
Yeah, who are the other two? Adele. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think obviously it's the voice and it's Beyonce. For yeah. me, it's three of them. It's, it's, there's just these singular voices. And obviously Adele and Beyonce have a level of fame that Sarah doesn't ever want. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But um, it's thrilling to know that friend, friend of mine is, she's doing a free concert in Eureka, California, that she's paying for the entire thing, 15,000 people, because she wants to give back to her community in her hometown where she grew up. And I just, you know, that's the kind of person she's just so inspiring. Um, now how did how did the two of you become friends? I was wondering that too, yeah. Hair. She came to see Hair, and I didn't really know her music that well. I knew Love Song, obviously. Of um, and Gravity, I'd heard and was blown away by. Which, I'm going to tell you both, this year was the first, well, this past, during the pandemic, was the first time I really understood that song. Mm. Like, like, I listened to the lyrics, and, and like, the lyrics hit me in a whole new way. That I was like, oh man, decimated by that 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 lyric, and and she wrote that when she was, I think, seventeen. Get out! That's yeah. crazy. She it, or she wrote it about a high school romance, I think. Okay. okay, but but um, if she was really young when she wrote it, she came to see the show, and our cast was flipping out, and I said, like, oh, Sarah Bareilles is young. That's cool. And I was doing, I was just starting to collaborate with Broadway Impact, Jenny Canellos and Roy O'Malley, and I, our organization to fight for marriage equality. We won. Hallelujah. Go, yes. everybody. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, we were working with Cindy Lauper and the True Colors Fund to do six months of cabarets at Feinstein's at the Lowe's Regency. That's where it was before. Right. And we were going to do one pop star and one Broadway star. And we were trying to find really cool pop people that would do half a concert. You know, the Broadway people would open it for half a concert and then the Broadway, just to do, to mix. And it was really cool. Like, um, Rufus Wainwright and Karen Olivo and the Broadway inspirational voices and Jason Mraz and Sarah and I, Jonathan Groff and Leah Michelle opposite Cindy Lauper. And it was just, you know, really, really cool. Stephanie Block and Melinda Doolittle from American oh, Idol. Yeah. Oh my God. I loved no. her. Oh, she, she's great. Melinda really, Doolittle. really yeah. great, but just great acts. And I cold emailed Sarah. I have the email still as a hi, I met you at hair. Blah, blah, blah. Just curious if you would ever consider doing this, full well knowing she she's a rock star. And she was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in. Where is it? Just get in touch with my managers. And it was the easiest thing on, on the planet. And then from there, we just, we did another, we really got to know each other after that. We did a thing for the American Repertory Theater that she was going to be doing Waitress at. Yes. Diane Paulus and I had done hair. And she said, will you come and open for our gala? Sarah's the musical get. And before she said guest, I was like, yes, yes, I will. <laughs> She said, wait, maybe you two could sing duet. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And then <laughs> that was 20, I think, 13. And what did you sing? We sang Bad Idea and uh, You Matter to Me. Amazing. Ooh. Before, Yeah, it was before the show had debuted. And I heard those songs and I just went, okay. Bad Idea especially. I was just like, You Matter to Me is my favorite song she's ever written. But when, but when she did Bad Idea, because You Matter to Me sounds like a Sarah, Sarah Ballad, right? It does. Sure. Yeah, but You true. Matter to Me is a theater song. It is like... Or sorry, uh, bad, bad idea, idea. is a yeah. it's a theater song. It's like got pathos, it's got speed, it's got tension, it's got story, it's got the playfulness and the flirt and the the forbidden love. It's just being, oh screw it, let's do it. It's got progression. It's everything I want in a in a theater tune and yeah. a, and a tight harmony. You very and hard. Obviously. Oh yeah, I, I've tried to sing it. There was like a thing during <laughs> the pandemic where you could like sing along with like another voice and like try and get, I think it was on with, TikTok with Catherine McPhee, but we're not going to talk about that. But yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, it, it was so hard to do. It was, it's, it's, it's crazy. A, that one. Yeah. I think you got it though, Gavin. Well, I'm in my mix. <laughs> um, but the, uh, also I was always doing it. I always did it with Sarah. So mm-hmm. I just would just tuck right underneath her. Cause her facility is so effortless. And, yeah. I'm I'm a good singer. I'm not gonna. I'm not oh, trying yeah. to shit oh, on yeah. myself. But but um, three albums. To, three albums. To sing with yeah, <laughs> to <laughs> sing with her is it's just a blend. Like, and I think she would say the same. She's like, I think she enjoys singing with me as well. So it's oh yeah. Fun. Oh my god, you're a great singer, Gavin. Wait, Thank on you. the topic of favorite Sarah Brella songs, the song Manhattan. Oh, crushing. Oh my god. It's so good. So so good. And that to yeah. me is a theater song too. Like it's taking on a different pov it's it's so good yeah 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 she's good she's the best yeah she's she's been writing she's a theater baby um a fan and loves it and her songs whenever people would bring her songs into class when i'd be teaching i'd be like yeah we can do this because there's already there's story and there's drama in everything speaking of drama mm. but <laughs> drama. like yeah drama but it is it is that wonderful 
mix. And I think her critics early on in the pop world came for it for that reason. And now we are not coming for those things anymore. Like theater is being embraced in a way that I'm really excited about. And, and it honestly frees me in my own writing because I write pop music, but also the most free I felt is when I'm like, just write for the musical theater and write the way I want to write and in, in a pop idiom and, and with a pop styling. And then I can do an umpapa song next because yeah. you can do, in musical theater, you can change styles and voices based on the story. And yeah. I, I really am set free by that as a writer. Yeah, that's a perfect transition because I know that you took some time earlier this summer. Was it at the O'Neill Center? Yeah, at the O'Neill Festival that uh, we did the National Musical Theater Conference. We were one of three musicals chosen. And I'm so proud to say that because it was big. It was like 350 entries. And and I don't, I don't say that to brag, but I say that as in like our team has worked really hard to make something beautiful. I'm really proud of what I've written. And it's a, it's based on a project I was given earlier this past year. Well, I was writing it for the last three years, but to look at the art from the Met and sort of write a piece around it. And it, I did a concert at the Met to debut some of the material from it. And now I've expanded into expanded a bit more to be more of a narrative and it still lives and breathes. I call it a concertical. Because I want it's a, it's a musical, but it, it it's gonna live in the passing strange American utopia kind of vibe. That that I hope by the end you'll be like I took a journey, but it wasn't like anything I'd really witnessed before. I don't know, and I'm just proud to say it's. I love what you said at the beginning of your podcast. What is you say your podcast is an exploration of blank blank life and love or something? Oh yeah, theater, pop culture, love and life. Yeah, I would say. Fine art, pop culture, love, and life is 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 what my piece "Walk On Through" uh, is exploring. Oh, that's so it, start, it starts wide, like the Met. I got standing in I'm, the first line. I'm staring at this building at the age of forty three. The reason why is not really clear, but I'm staring at this spot. I never thought I would be, just wondering what am I doing here. Ooh. And the whole thing is, I think I have to go in there because I need an answer. I, I'm in a place where I'm kind of lost, and I need. To, I think I'm going to find it in there. And not knowing, but the only answer is just to walk on through and see what I can find. Ooh, I have chills. I know, uh, me too. I, I would love for you to come. We're going to do yeah. an industry inv- invitation-only uh, show on the 12th of December um, in Midtown. And it's gonna be, we're going to be inviting all the theater owners and the producers and, and uh, regional theaters and off-Broadway theater owners to say, like, hey, come and do you want to help us grow this, this piece? So yeah, I'm really, yeah. really excited about it. Now, I would love when, that. You, when you say you don't, you're lost and you're at the Met, I don't mm. think I've ever been, you know, on a, on a straight path when I walk through there. I get lost there. I don't know where to start. I don't know. Have I done it all? You Can know, I tell you the truth, Dylan? I had never been there before. Oh, wow. Never? Yeah, I'm just not a musician. I get a, I have a bit of probably ADHD. My sister's a psychologist. I've never been treated, but she's like, <laughs> you definitely have ADHD. But um, but I, I find it overwhelming. I, I It's 2.5 million square feet of... Yeah. of 5,000 years of art and artifact. It's like insane. And what I've learned in my experiences at the Met is like anything. And people would say, oh, it's so obvious to say this, Gavin. But I say it openly, vulnerably, and proudly. There is no one way to do it. There's no... I felt... Every time I go there, I think, I should know more than I do. I should be more than I am. I should have more than I have in knowledge, in culture, in education, in upbringing. And the Met... I've, I've talked to all the curators and the people there and they're all like, they want to say, no, you don't have to go explore. This is your museum, but it's daunting yeah. and it's white and it's rich and it's, mm-hmm. it's elitist and it's, you know, the Koch brothers fountains and the Sackler wing. And it's got a lot of complicated, crazy history with which you don't really know if you feel welcome in a lot of ways. And I say mm-hmm. that openly and I've said that at the Met and they admit it. There's slave owners who owned a lot of the collections in the European that donated the art. It's a complicated yeah. history that the Met is continually trying to write in its in its way with hmm. finding the artists who have been in our communities for millennia that have been underrepresented, finding new artists, expanding their modern wing, trying to reach out to people in ways that excite and titillate me as a person who's like, I don't want to look at that old dusty thing. I want to look at some hot new shit, or I yeah. want to look at that old dusty thing in a new way. Yeah. They're constantly reinventing ways to look at art, and that's what my piece is aiming to do. Ooh, oh, I'm so excited. I think yeah. it's going to be Thanks. fantastic. 
I can't wait. You know, my first exposure to the Met was watching the cast of Gossip Girl eat lunch on the steps of the yes, Met every week. Yes, so, <laughs> yes I don't, absolutely. I don't think they ever went inside, Gavin. No. I mean, maybe maybe they did, but they didn't film it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't film it. Okay, wait. So we're talking about what you're up to now. And we yeah. were talking earlier about how you're from Ohio. I'm curious to know about that moment you realized you wanted to be involved in the arts. We borrow the term from Fun Home, Ring of Keys moment, that moment of recognition where a switch was flipped and you were consuming something or you experienced something that made you realize, wow, I need to be a part of this. This needs to be a part of my life. You know, I can tell you there's a bunch of things that popped to my head. One that I was doing was um, singing in the choir glee club and ensemble at Jefferson Elementary School when I was in fifth and sixth grade. Nancy Glick, may she rest in peace, brought three-part harmony to 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. That's wild. <laughs> taught, taught, yeah, three-part harmony, like highs, middles, and lows. Taught us how to appreciate Cole Porter and the Gershwins and Rogers and Hammerstein and Rogers and Hart and Irving Berlin, Irving Berlin, Irving Berlin. And, you know... That was the doing when I was, I was, I think I was bit then in a way that I was in front of people. I was singing in the dead center of the pitch, belting my face off at that age and yes. watching people react and, and people say, you know, when you get the smile, you know, you both know this. When somebody looks at you and smiles and sends that warmth of energy, when you have been vulnerably creative, mm -hmm. it is the thing. I try to do as a teacher, as try to do as a collaborator, as what is to remember, if you try to make anything, that is what the energy I try to give right off the bat. I don't, you don't need my opinion, you don't need anything. And she gave that to all of us. And then the thing I witnessed, I think, besides the Sweeney Todd PBS um, recording or this Into the Woods or the, oh, Sondheim, or the Sun in the Park <laughs> recording, <laughs> and is another Sondheim moment, to be honest with you. The, the moment I think I really switched on was Patti Lapone singing Being Alive at the Sondheim celebration at Carnegie Hall in like 1991. It was a, it was a swath of stars that were all on stage doing a million different numbers. But that I played over and over. And Sutton Foster and I actually bonded over that. That was her moment too. Oh. Like watching, watch it now. If you haven't watched it, Patti Lapone singing Being Alive in like a sensible culotte and like <laughs> pant, pants like like flowy pants and a, and a sparkly shoulder padded uh, golden top with Paul Gemignani behind her. Watch as she when she gets watch what Paul Gemignani turns to look at her and cut off because she was like she and she shakes her head a little bit like I'm not ready I'm not ready and then John throws her hand down. <laughs> it is so exciting and watch the way she builds the whole song and does so little. She does one thing where she turns her hand over. Fairy my days, and but alone is alone, not alive. And this straight tone, alive, somebody on it over the bar. I could, I could literally deconstruct the whole thing. Yes, you know, it makes me so excited. I love her. She's my absolute favorite of all the people. I dream of doing something with her. Um, but seeing that was the moment of, uh, that I switched over. I you, could feel I know. it coming out of you just now, Gavin. It, it is love. part of my soul. I love Patty. I love the way she communicates, the way she uses her diction, the way she doesn't use her diction. I was say, yeah. <laughs> All of it. I love the way she eats what she's doing uh -huh. for, for dinner on stage. What's your favorite Patty performance other than that? You know, I think I know her mainly in recordings. I saw her show. We drove in a blizzard to come see her her one woman show on Broadway when she did it at the, I think it was the Walter Kerr. Um, oh, wow. But I think probably I got to say, I really, not to be obvious, but I really enjoyed her in this last revival of company. I, know. Yeah. I just, I loved, it was mainly the singing is great. Always, whatever it's, it's very patty, but it was the scene work at the, at the bar. Yeah. Masterful. Her tall bar stool where her little legs couldn't really touch the ground or <laughs> touch the bar stool. Watching her take a piss on the toilet in the middle of it. Of getting uh, 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 getting married? No, it was yeah. No, it was. Um, no, it was the the Barcelona. It's like that sequence after Barcelona. It's a bunch of Amy's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Or no, it was. It's a bunch of Bobby's. A bunch of Bobby's. That was yeah. it. A bunch of Bobby's. Um, <laughs> watching her as an ensemble member, mm -hmm. like being like throwing what she threw off, what she committed, like like, and not never not committed, but like what she let. She just. Sh I, don't, I just loved her. I loved her in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sensational for sure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Gavin, I have so many questions about different credits of yours. I know we don't have too much time, so I want to just like run through a few and just ask. But I will say, definitely our first exposure to you was Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yes, you mentioned Sutton. It's been not 20 years. Okay, I was going to say, I don't want to make you feel old because you're still young as hell. Your skin is glowing. Your skin is glowing. Bless you. Bless you. (laughs) And looking back now, 20 years later, what do you think about when Millie comes to mind? I think about PTSD. Mm. I had a lot of stress and a lot of fear in the rehearsal process. It was a very stressful rehearsal process. It was not joyful for me. Um, I think about blowing my knee out in the fourth preview and having to have surgery two days later and be back in the show 10 days later. What? Yeah, it was insane. I I, I broke my, I, I tore my medial meniscus and I was like, oh my God, all my dreams. Did you realize in that moment? The minute it happened, I was like, I'm fucked. What scene was it? I was doing this, the Nutty Cracker Suite. I was going, da 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 ka 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 And right away, I went, ka and my knee just broke. Mm. And I turned to Sutton, and she's like, what's going on? And I went, I think, I, I think, I'm, in, I think I'm hurt. And she just went, oh, crap. Oh, my God. And then, and then my understudy, who had never had a rehearsal, never, didn't have any costumes, put on my costumes for the second act and just went on stage. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I went to the hospital. I got oh back on stage. God. I did it. I, my opening night was my birthday. Opening night, first preview was her birthday. And opening night was my birthday. And I remember just being happy that I could stand. I remember not getting nominated for anything and feeling weirdly ashamed, like I'd let mm. the team down. And then they called my name for the Tonys, and I just was beside myself. I was like, and I had bronchitis. So I had to do the show and I couldn't really sing. And I was like, oh, how am I going to do this? I was on vocal rest the day I got nominated. Oh my it was a lot of stress. I'm going to be honest with you. It sounds like it. I yeah. I can't imagine going through all of these different obstacles. Like, was it your choice to go back into the show after 10 days post-surgery? Oh, I was, I, I talked to my doctor and I said, okay, what pain in my knee after surgery and all the swelling is pain that I could hurt myself again? And what pain is just that I have to get through? And he goes, unfortunately, with what you've had done, it's just what you have to get through. So I was like, ah! Yeah. I just like was bolting. I was, I was bearing down on it and doing all the PT like f- three times, a w- four times a week and doing PT exercises all day long. Oh my and God. I got back. I got back in 10 days later. And then you turned 26. Yeah. Yeah. And I turned 26 years so old. Is this why spring used to be your favorite season? Because it was your <laughs> birthday. And... Yeah, I think, I yeah. think maybe. Yeah. yeah. It, I, you know, saying about that with Millie and, and it's, it's telling it's just honest. Like the, the, it was joyful, of course, and, and all the stuff, but it was, it was hard. And I think that being your first Broadway show and the pressure of all those things, it's just stuck with me for a long time. And I think I drug a lot of that to my subsequent shows. Hmm. And I, I'm constantly now trying to shed all that as I go. Like I, after a week of rehearsal at the city center, when I was stressed out beyond belief, I can't remember any of these words and I don't have to do as much as everybody else. It's too little time to rehearse a fully memorized show. It's just yeah. they have to cha- they have to change the process there. It's too it's too much stress for the actors. It used to be more on book, right? Exactly, yeah. and they moved they moved those goalposts. Yet the actors are sort of expected to. It's yeah. too much. It's I'm really proud of it, but it's too much. Yeah. But after that first week, I was like, I'm done. I'm quitting the business. I'm always quitting the business. My friends are always like, You're always quitting the business. <laughs> but I was like, That's it. I'm done. I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, please but, don't. Yeah, no, I don't want, and I don't want to now. But then going on to Lacage was was a joy. I didn't really think I wanted to do that show, and I needed to do that show because I had no money. I'd run out of money, and then I ended up having a really lovely time on that show. And were you were you just like twenty six, not managing your money well, or was it like they weren't paying you? No, I mean you didn't make. I didn't mean you make a ton of money when you're when you're debuting on Broadway. Yeah, um, yeah. And and in New York is expensive. You know, my parents taught me how to save well, but I also said no to a lot of stuff. Okay. You know and. And I made a record. I wanted to make a record. So I was writing and my first record and working on that. And Lacage helped me pay for that. And I had amazing angel benefactors. And then what was next? I did hair next, I think. Which that was like, absolutely. It's my favorite thing you've ever done. It's, it's my favorite. Th- it's yeah. my favorite thing I've ever done. It's I just the best. I, I loved it so very much. I loved what I learned about breaking the fourth wall and learning to be completely vulnerable and open and with an audience. I'm trying things I've never tried before in every sense of the word. Um, <laughs> but like, just just learning to love it again. And then 
Oh, that's a lie. I did Mary Poppins in London. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, I did. I did I you think are I did. a London boy. Oh, yeah. You know, Taylor Swift wrote the song London Boy. Are you a Taylor fan? Um, I, I have become one. Over the pandemic, I really got into the new stuff. And yeah, I love that. I've gone back and looked at old stuff. And yeah, she's an amazing lyricist. Yes. I love her lyrics. She really, is. really love the way she spins poetry. London is my second home, without a doubt. It's my second home. I just have this joy with London that I didn't expect. They asked me to, I had done, I, I had gone out to LA to do pilot season. It did not go well. Mm. I was again running out of money. And I thought Mary Poppins is literally the only thing I can think of that I'd want to do or can do. And I auditioned and I didn't get it. And then they called me and said, but you're not going to get the Broadway company, but would you consider replacing in London? And I thought, okay. And I came back and was hungry for musical theater again in a way that I wasn't. And was going to do Godspell, and that fell through. And oh, then, yeah, there was literally billboards up for that, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Joshua Henry and I were going to play Judas and Jesus. Uh, what, what could have been? Yeah, and wow. then I, and then I, that fell through because of the the 2008 crash, and mm-hmm. hair was going to happen, but it was, it was in the papers that it all oh, probably won't raise the money and blah blah whatever. And then it became a hit in a way that nobody expected. Yeah, like, into the woods. Yeah, because it was also a, a concert, a summer concert, in the park. Yes, right? yeah. yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I oh, right. went to London to do hair again. And while I was there, I had done a previous concert of She Loves Me, um, just a one night only thing to raise money for the roundabout. And Scott Ellis called about a different project and he said, well, this project's not going to work out, but we may be doing Into the Wood or uh, to um, She Loves Me and we'll get in touch if we do. And they did. And I s- said yes. After I was doing Book of Mormon. I did Book of Mormon. For a long time. Sorry, I was in. I was. I was in Book of Mormon when they called about She Loves Me. Okay. And then I did Book of Mormon on tour in London, and tour and Broadway. And I had I had a day off, and then I started rehearsals for She Loves Me. And a week into She Loves Me, I got a call about Hello Dolly. So it was like this beautiful stretch where I was working. I was like, oh my gosh, I know where my next gig is. I know where my next yeah. gig is. And then Hello Dolly leads us to Waitress and then to here. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You've been in, like, so many of my favorite things through the years. You've also rocked so many different eras of, like, gay yeah. aesthetic. Like, you're you're the bleach blonde now. You did the, the <laughs> vintage mustache at a point. Like, you really <laughs> oh, yeah. have through all of them, Gavin. You wanna yeah. know, do you want to know what the next one's going to be? That I'm sure everybody loves to have opinions about what I do with my hair and my face and my oh, body. Yeah. yeah. And, I'm all, and I just don't read or listen to them anymore because I'm sensitive and I don't want to fucking hear what you have to say about my hair. <laughs> Thank you. But I am going to dye my hair blue. I've always wanted to have blue hair. Always wanted to do it. I thought I was going to do it when I was much younger. And now in age that nobody should be dyeing their hair blue. And I don't fucking care. I'm going <laughs> to, I have the overtone at home. I've had them for a couple of years, but I've had jobs where I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I have the white hair is going to be bleached right before I close in January. And I'm going to dye my hair blue. And then I'm going to Michigan to start a new project um, at, yeah, at the University of Michigan, just to start very, very germinate, germ- the germination of an idea oh, cool. is going to begin at the New Works Festival at Michigan. So I'm really excited about that. At your alma mater. Yes, Michael McElroy is the new head of the program there. Oh, he's a friend and wow. a superstar and an amazing educator and an amazing performer and the head of, former head of the Broadway Inspirational Voices. Right. He asked if I'd be a part of the of the New Works Festival, and I'm really honored to get to join the team there and try some new stuff out. Oh my God! So this isn't walk on through that. This is going to be something different. It's going to be the next piece. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm going to go and explore a bunch of songs that I have in a pile, and I'm going to write a few new ones. And I told him I, the areas of I want to explore are. Rural versus urban, mm. like like Finley versus New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, choral singing. I love to do vocal arrangements. I want to play around with that. There was something else. Oh, light and electricity. I don't know why, but I want to explore that musically. And the overall arching theme is homosexuality. I want to, everything I write. I want it to be gay. I just I just want. I, we need more gay stories written yes. by more people. More of our. And I'm never interested in anything. I'm never going to write anything that's not gay. Thank way. you. I appreciate Thank it. You. you know, Gavin, it's yeah. it's interesting because I can remember when you were in hair. I mean, I Dylan and I were in, I forget how old we were, but we were definitely the age where we were like closeted gay, like gay, you know, not even telling each other that we're gay. And I remember when y'all went to March on Washington and mm. the theater community, this was actually kind of like a ring of keys moment, I think for me in a way, but the way the theater community really rallied together and I remember recognizing for the first time, like, okay, this is going to sound so corny. Being gay is okay. And actually it can thrive in a community like this. I want to be a part of this. Like I remember mm-hmm. on Facebook, people 
making their name like Connor Equality McDowell. Do you remember this? You did it too? Yeah. I, did you start oh, that was, it? That was, our, that was our idea. That was your idea. Yeah. 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 We, I was Gavin Equality James for, you know, forever. Yeah. My friend Joe, Lam- Joe Lampert is still Joe, Lam- Joe Equality oh, Lampert. Oh my yeah. God. That makes That's me happy. happy. I, but also I want to just gently give you permission. There's nothing corny about that. That is how <laughs> it, it feels corny because cynics are so quick to be like, oh, so cheesy. You even say that. Those are people who have just a little more fear than they do courage, mm. in my opinion, because it takes real courage to stick your neck out and go, I believe in blank or I stand for blank. That isn't just something that's cool or even jaded or, or kind of caustic. And to say that it's corny, I understand why yeah, you're yeah. saying that because it, it feels that way, but that is how you changed and you saying that will change someone else because it's 2022 and people are still being hate crimed, murdered, mm-hmm. abused shamed it's it's never going to go away for as long as religion exists people are still going to fall back on these bullshit ideas that gay is not god and i'm here to tell you you're fucking wrong and i'm tired of it Mm. but the truth is gay is god and and god is gay (laughs) like like that there there is there is no part of if you believe in jesus if that's what you want to stand if you will like (laughs) If you stand Jesus, there's no chance that he walked this earth in the way that you believe he did and did not hang out with every underrepresented community, mm-hmm. under fought for community, under um, protected community, which we as homosexual men are. And we always probably will be in a lot of ways, but if we don't keep making noise and keep talking and saying it and living it, you don't even have to be loud about it. Just live it. Yeah. If you're scared and you're in the closet, Take your time, make sure you're in a safe space and find somebody like Connor or Dylan or Gavin that you can whisper it into their ear that will shine that light of energy, like that creative energy onto yes. you when you are courageous enough to say it. You know, it's, it's, it's everything. And I want to make art that does that. It may not necessarily be named homosexual, the musical. <laughs> I'd I, I buy tickets to that, but you know. Amen. But walk on through is speaks exactly to that. Cause I tell about what it's been like to be sexually shamed or mm. have sexual shame or, feel like growing up in a farm town or feeling just like I don't belong. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So when did you realize you were gay? Um, I always had this feeling that honestly, this is, this is just the, this, the bare truth is I always knew I was going to marry a woman. I was just worried I wouldn't be able to have sex with her. Wow. That was when I knew something was off. I was worried. How am I going to make that happen? You know, yeah. how am I going to make that happen? <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. I remember having those thoughts. I remember having those thoughts. Yeah. I guess I'll yeah. have to figure that out. And then as I got older, I realized, oh, that's not something you think about. That's just something that happens. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and then it was the poison of religion and society and television and movies. I was born in 1976. I'm 46 years old. And I, I was born at a time when, <laughs> and I lived through a time when, fill in the blank, it was you know, not okay. And in and, and a major way. And, and the people of the generation before me, it was even less okay. And the generation before that are dead because it well before just just a generation before me are dead because of a, a plague that a government and a president and a world would not acknowledge so that people just kept dying. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, so the cross, if we've been gay Jesus back into it, but like the cross <laughs> that I will proudly bear is you can call me all the names for the rest of my life. But I don't, I'm alive, mm-hmm. you know, and we have, what's the mantle that we have to pick up as gay men is to, to say my truth out loud and let you say whatever you want, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't concern myself with you, but I would say, I guess I knew I came out of the closet to a f- friend, my sophomore year of college. Okay. I kissed a boy for the first time, my freshman year of college. <gasps> like serious, like joke, jokey or like seriously or no, it was serious. I was shaking. I was okay. so nervous. Oh my yeah. God. Did, did he go to kiss you or were you kind of like, this is happening? It's going he down. Was, he was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> we were like talking next to each other and I was like shivering on the bed and I was like, oh my God, I think this might happen. I might, this might happen. And he would talk a little and then he would get quiet. I was like, and I would talk a little and he would get quiet. And then I looked over and he's like, like asleep. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of like went for it. That's probably bad because don't do that, people. That's not consent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I was 18 and I didn't know what I was doing. And I, and he woke up while I was kissing him and then he gave into it. And it was like, <gasps> it was amazing. That sounds hot. Honestly. It was so, it was so, it was hot, but it was also really amazing because I'll never forget it. I remember I wrote a song sort of about it in that moment. It's, a, it's actually called Isabel and it's about my girlfriend from high school who's not named Isabel, but 
it was like, it's like an apology song to mm. her to go, um, it could have been Isabel, you know, who captured this fella. It could have been Izzy with her Southern draw. I could have been anyone with Izzy or Bella, but it was always, it would always be you that I saw. Mm. And it's, it's like, it was always going to be a man. And then I, I, you know, I just, I kind of, I don't know. I was really shy and afraid and I didn't have anything with a man for another like three years. I was just afraid. I wish people say, what's your regret? I said, I wish I had accepted myself and come out of the closet sooner. And I joke about this in the PBS special because I could have gotten so much more play, but it's true. <laughs> if you can accept yourself, you can live more physically, emotionally, spiritually. The opportunities are out there for you. But if you hate yourself like I did or afraid like I did for so long, it just slows your role. And then you end up being a certain age and a little, no, not behind me. I'm where I am. But now the great thing is, is I accept myself more now. And I'm like, I'm doing whatever I want. I'm dying my hair blue. I'm <laughs> being wild. I'm writing songs about sexual shame and yeah. screw that. You know, it's just, this is a fun interview. Thank you for this. This is really nice. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, I, I completely relate to what you're saying. Cause I mean, I came out at 19 and then I was too scared to like Same. try to date. I was too scared for years to put myself out there in so many ways. And I, I think now I'm realizing, gosh, there, it wasn't just like my gay identity holding me back. It was how I feel about myself in so many ways that spring out of hiding my gay identity, how yeah. I feel about my body, how I feel about yeah. how I exist in my own community of friends, you know? So I totally get that. And I often feel sometimes like, I'm behind. I could have had so much more fun, you know, but it's not, I'm still, it's, it's, the best days are still ahead, right? Absolutely, well, absolutely. Cause they're only days ahead. Like, mm, yeah. um, God willing, we get to have yeah. them. But I, I, I say something that happened to me during the pandemic when I was in bad place, um, is that I, I too, my face and my body just like hated it for years and years. And I look back at pictures and I go, Oh my God, you were so cute, but you didn't, <laughs> you didn't know it. And I said, you, you are not allowed to turn 45 years old and hate your body or your face anymore. And it's a mm. daily practice because I feel a little jiggle or I feel a little um, skinny or I feel a little zitty or I feel a little whatever. And whatever the thing is, I am really working daily to just go, you, you don't have to look back 10 years from now and go, I wish I had known how good looking I was or how we're all good looking. All mm -hmm. of us in some way, we are, we are a lid to somebody's pot, you know? Oh yeah. And, and someone has a crush on you. You yes, don't know it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know, who's that beautiful skater? Um, Rippon, Adam Rippon. Oh, Adam Rippon. Yeah. yeah. Gave a beautiful speech at HRC. And he said, the difference between me and somebody who, who doesn't like people are like all paying attention to me, but they're paying attention to me because I'm a star. Hmm. And people laugh and he goes, you're laughing. Or he said, I'm paraphrasing it, but it was so, he goes, I'm not a star in the arrogant sense. I just know my worth. I know my, con I'm confident. I walk in a room and I just, I know who I am. That's what attracts people to me. Not my skating, not my face, not my body. I mean, he's gorgeous, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it helps. But what is gorgeous? Mm -hmm. What does that even mean? And it's in it. And I spent a lot of time in the gay community, you know, does this and doesn't necessarily help. Um, so I'm just trying to like, when people, I watch people shame themselves or talk badly to themselves, which I do. And I've done professionally for 40 some years. I always try to like touch whatever they say they don't like and kiss it or just, I mean, Aww. it's appropriate. Or like, just course, say, just say, you be kind to yourself. Like, I love it. I love whatever you are, mm -hmm. you know, cause it's helpful to hear like, oh, you know, I don't know. Just, You're amazing. Oh my gosh. This is such a joy to, to talk about things that stem from theater, stem from creativity, yeah. stem from drama, yes. but it is so hard to be a human being. Mm -hmm. And now more than ever, my friend Robbie Michelle and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. Robbie Roth, who I wrote my first two records with, an amazing songwriter, and Michelle is an incredible um, therapist and, and body healer, his wife. And, and we were talking about how hard it is to be young and to be, there's so much despair now. And I was sort of pushing back going, I think there's been despair always, but we haven't been voicing it. But I do think they're right in that social media and compare and despair culture and everything. It's really hard to be young and to grow oh, yeah. up where you can't escape comparisons and bullying and whatever. And yet still the world is still growing trees and building buildings and making theater and being creative and the seasons are passing. And yes, the world is heating and we may be killing ourselves daily, but I'm alive now. And so are you. I can hear the words of people that are like, you've got to get this together and this together and this together. Okay. But also we got to live and we got to yeah. enjoy what we're living and we got to love ourselves before we can do any of the good work in the world. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, oh. let's try to do it today. <laughs> you are so wise. Oh, Gavin. bless you. Thank you. I just, <laughs> you are. You're giving us so much. Uh, well, I hope you. I hope you. I hope you can edit it down and do the time you need. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Well, good. we're about to wrap up here, but I just want to say I want to ask one quick question about Hello Dolly. What did it feel like to win that Tony? Hmm. I'm going to tell you the truth. Every time I've been nominated, it's winning. Yeah. Ooh, that. yes. That's it. I win. Everything else is icing, and I mean that because I have lost more times than I've won. And winning, losing, it's not really real. It's not, that's not what it is. I have had my name called more, less times than I have not. Well, actually, mm. that's not true. I've been, my name's called, been called with four other people three times. Yep. It was called from the stage once. I'm really proud to have had my name called. But the thing, the two things I was most excited about that night were my outfit which okay. Jeff Mashey designed and he's just a dream. And it was the powder blue. Yeah. It was like this. I just yeah. wanted, Ooh. I like to take risks with what I'm wearing when I have those moments and soon it'll be your hair, but they're not know. always success. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it was my outfit, Milan Breton, the fashion designer built it. Jeff designed it. I felt like a million bucks. I had Cartier studs going down. It was oh. so cool. And I wanted to make a speech. I've always dreamt of making a speech and I'm really proud of what I said. It was about arts education and starting scholarships and, and, um, that was it. The rest of it was just a, like a floaty dream. And I will say not much changed after like mm. next to no, nothing changed in my career that I could notice. I think maybe people regard me a little differently because there's a, there's a title, but I'm not, I don't concern myself with that. If they do or if they don't, it doesn't matter because I'm still doing the work that I know I want to do. But I do remain extremely grateful that the community decided to turn my way and tip their hat to me. And I will never, I'll never take that for granted. But, but I didn't take it for granted when they called my name for Thoroughly Modern Millie when I was 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it might happen again with Instagram. Oh my gosh. Hey, <laughs> I, 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 I would it. love it if they, I would love it. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I, I'm, yeah. I'm just so proud to be proud of the work I'm making. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm, and I'm excited that people are moved or tickled by these idiots that I'm playing on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love these two idiots. I so, yeah, I'm excited that about six hours I will be walking on stage as a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> leaping, 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 myself, right? leaping. Yeah. yeah. Oh um, my God. Okay. And also Sutton was there that night when you got that award. So she gave it to me. Yeah. Did she say your name? Uh, she did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Scott Bakula and Sutton were the so quantum leap and yeah, my Millie Dilma. There she is. <laughs> it was a dream. My friend Ben Engel was the um, what do you call it? The person who holds the like award the and passes it. Yes, trophy yeah. boy. Yes, trophy boy. <laughs> oh, I got to hug him, and then I walked off stage. This is one of the funniest things that happened to me on Tony Night. I what happens is you do this thing. You practice your whole life. If you've ever wanted to be a performer, what would I say? I don't, I watch those award speeches and I think, what would I say? What would I say? I practiced my whole life. Then no one prepares you for what the view you've watched from this direction, from the audience, from the TV. You've seen that there's no way to prepare yourself for the view from standing there looking out because for those 90 seconds, everyone is silent and staring at you and you realize I'm in the position that I have watched my whole life. And there's no way to, that's why when you watch people that kind of bumble, I want you to have sympathy for them because when you're in that moment, you're like, Oh my God, it's happening. This is real. I, uh, um, um, okay. What, what? And everything goes out the window. Yeah. I practiced what I was going to say. Cause I was afraid I was going to say fuck on national television. <laughs> and my mother would never forgive me for that. But after I was done, I hugged Sutton and then they walked me underneath the stage, which is a catwalk because it's a cavern. It's like this, mm-hmm catwalk underneath the stage and I could hear the Tony's going on up above me. And I was like holding a Tony and one person is leading me to the other side for face touch-ups because then you're escorted away for two hours to do press. Mm. Oh, right, right, right. You the missed press. the whole show. Missed two hours, two and a half hours of the show. My, you know, my boyfriend at the time and my friends were all sitting there watching with a seat filler. And oh my gosh. I go, you guys, I go to the, to get my makeup touched up and I'm about ready to go to across the street into the building across the street to do press. I'm holding the Tony award and I look to my left and this vision in silver comes five foot two of her, Bette Midler in, <laughs> in, a, in a Michael Kors dress with her, with her entourage, like around her. Uh-huh. And she's like, doll. 
ah, congratulations. She gets on the elevator and I walk through to go outside and, and the elevator's doors open. They're all tucking in and the metal detector goes off because I'm holding yeah. a Tony. And I go, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's like, whoop, whoop, whoop. And I turn around and I look Bet in the eye and she sees what happened and she just goes, <laughs> as the elevator door closes. I will never forget that. Unreal. It's like this moment of like, I'm holding a Tony that learned, and, and Bette Midler is laughing that <laughs> my, my very fancy metal just set off the mm-hmm. detector. And then I went off and the rest of the night was history. Oh my uh, God. Absolute history. Okay. Evan. Before we say goodbye, we do like to end on a dose of drama, something that's on our minds. Drama could be anything. And yeah. I have to say, I'm feeling dramatic about something. I was so excited when I found out one of my crushes slash favorite actors, Paul Meskel from Normal People, was going to be doing a streetcar named Desire in London this winter. But when I went to go buy tickets, I found out that they all were sold out immediately to like the um, subscribers. The whole show was sold out, the whole run. Uh. So I'm feeling dramatic that my big London trip that I was planning. Teasing. You were teasing this trip. Yeah. Is he the one? Is he the main? Is he the main yeah. guy? Yeah. Connell. Oh my His god! What a Connell. Yeah. Such a dreamboat. Oh my god! So dreamy. Yeah. If they extend, I'm definitely gonna buy a ticket. I'm gonna tell gonna be... you, there's always a way to get a ticket. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. say it. There's <laughs> always like, a way. You know, and I've on this very podcast here, I've called out to the listeners. I've said, I need, I want to go see Assassins. I want to go see Into the Woods at City Center. And you know what? People have come through. They'll come so through. Maybe, maybe this is my um, siren song. Everything starts with an idea. You have the courage to call out what you want. Let it go immediately. But just say it. Say it out loud, and it'll find its way to you if it's meant. Oh, yes. Gavin, you are yeah. so full of these little. I know. That's the I way know. I live. I have to. I it's, I have to but I practice them every day. I have to keep yeah. telling myself that. Okay, so I a memory came back that I, I knew I would tell you about one day, Gavin, and I feel like this is the right moment. When we saw Hair, I had bought your CD, but I didn't get the chance to get you to sign it. And so Ugh. the next day, it was a, um, a two-show day. We were leaving the city that night to drive back to Cleveland. And my mom and I waited outside the stage door. And he was like, "If you," because he had told us the night before, we saw it on a Tuesday and we are coming back that Wednesday. He said, if you come back, when the actors are coming in, you might catch him. And Gavin's great. He's so nice. He'll sign it for you. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he b- went to bring it back to you to sign it. And instead of just sending it back out, you came out I in did. full costume and took a photo with me and personally addressed the CD and everything. It was amazing. Oh my God. Well, probably because it meant the world to me. It was my personal CD. It was. I, I mean, that to, I want to say it was good. Good time nation. Maybe it was good time nation. What? Yeah, it was because I hadn't made quite yet. Okay, I yeah, I, I think it was quite was in here. Yeah, yeah, and I still have it to this day. I, anytime somebody has those, those are deep cuts. That's like part of you're an you're an oh, insider yeah. oh, if you yeah. have those little indie records. I'm so so grateful. I thought it was just the coolest moment ever, and it just you know we we got in our car and left back for Cleveland that day, and so I was riding high. Connor was waiting outside of Shrek to meet Sutton. So it's we didn't true. complete it's so true. we didn't yeah yeah so he wasn't there for that moment but I'm the I'll regret I that for the rest it. of my life. But anyway, Gavin, what dose of drama do you want to leave us on today before we say goodbye? You know, not to be a downer, but I'm going to say the drama that I'm confronted with lately is how much homelessness there is in Midtown and in our in our city right now. And I'm just I'm just leaving it to say I'm perplexed by how I can be of service or of help or whatever. And I'm going to, I'm, I am going to just say the one place that I have comfort that I do participate in volunteering and donating is the crown jewel of our community, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. It donates to over 450 different social service organizations, food banks and health clinics and homeless shelters. And it's, it's literally funding Mom and pop shops all over the country. Women's women's health um, places too. Yeah, women's health. Yeah, the Phyllis Newman Women's Health, Initi- health Initiative, the Freedman Free Health Clinic. Uh, it sends millions of dollars to the actor to the entertainment community yes. fund. Clock the new name, formerly known name. as the yeah. Actors Fund. Yep, yep, yep. But I, in the moments when I look and see such, I mean, I, I was approached last night while I was standing on the street corner by like four different homeless mm. people while I was talking to my friends, and it, it's vexing to me. And I will say. If you're in the theater community, give to Broadway Cares. Give your time. If you don't have money to give, if you have money, give as generously as you can. Um, if you have corporate partnerships. But that's the drama that I I just know that when I give to Broadway Cares, it is going to many different mm-hmm. people. And when I get overwhelmed by climate change, earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricane relief, uh, Red Cross, the Ukraine, Broadway Cares in the first, the abortion yeah. bullshit we're going through. Broadway Cares has sent hundreds of thousands of dollars checks to different organizations in the first week 
That's our community and the money that we raise. So whenever you think, oh, we're still, so I've heard people say, are we still raising money for AIDS? And I want to go, yeah, because it's still killing millions of people and it's still ravaging um, our world. And it's also, we are, we are one of the first organizations through Broadway Cares and, and communities to send to the American Red Cross and to all the different things in disaster relief. The Ukraine, we sent to three different Ukrainian $100,000 checks when no one was getting any money. That was us that did that. So I would say get involved and know that you're doing, when you're overwhelmed by the world, just go one place, go to Broadway Cares because they are doing the good yeah, work. Yeah, love it. And, and a great way to do that is by going to see I Put a Spell on You because that money is directly supporting Broadway Cares. Yes. And Gavin will be there. Jay Johnson will be there. Robin Herter. So many friends of drama over the years. I think some of the Saunders siblings, I don't even know. It's going to be a really great time. And Gavin, I can't tell you how much this conversation has meant to Connor and I. This was a dream come true. To me too. Thank I really appreciate this. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. And thank you so much. Everyone can follow you online. You're just at Gavin Creel or something like that. Right? I'm, I'm at, I think it's real Gavin Creel on Instagram. I'm not very frequent, but there is updates and stuff. And as walk on through continues to grow, Maybe we can talk about it again at some point. It just say when. Yeah, and and uh, just check out my website. It's just com, and I put little updates on there once in a while. Yeah, it's a beautiful site, too. Bless you. Thank Kayla you. Kuzbell. Thank you, uh, Kayla. <laughs> well, thank you, Thanks, Gavin. Gavin. And, of course, everyone should follow us. We're at The Drama Podcast. Connor is at Connor McDowell. I'm at Dylan McDowell. Leave us a little five-star review. And, Connor, I will see you next time. Drama! Drama.